This morning, I'm going to finish off our series on the way of life uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at building well and a very well-known little passage at the end, what Jesus finishes his sermon with. So let's read it together. Just going to go up on the screen, thank you. These are the last few verses uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, says Jesus, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Now, this is a very well-known little story. It may not be known to everyone because we hope that there are some of you here who are quite fresh to Christian things. I trust they are. Maybe you're not yet a committed follower of Jesus yourself. I I hope that will change by the end of the morning. I really do. It'll be a blessing to you if it does. But but many of us will be familiar with this story. Some, like myself, probably heard it at Sunday school. I can remember a chorus. I'm tempted to sing it to you. (laughs) The rain came down and the floods came up and house on the sand fell flat. I used to like the fell flat bit because you're allowed to clap and shout. That always was the best bit, although actually it's not the best bit of the story, but it was the best bit of the chorus. But um, in actual fact, that familiarity, of course, can breed contempt. We can just say, okay, let this go in one ear and out the other. What I want you to know, and I am dead serious about this, I believe this little punchy parable has something to say to every single one of us in this room. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to apply it to our lives and wants to speak with his wonderful way, like the word of God, like like a, let's say a surgeon's knife, but it's called a two-edged sword, which penetrates in and divides the the, the thoughts and intentions of the heart and the mind, says the, that's what it says in Hebrews and Hebrews 4, and, and opens up our hearts to the work of God to bring strength and healing and restoration. It's a good purpose. It's a good, a good incision of the Spirit into our heart. And I pray that is what happens to us today because we're all building our lives on something. Is it rock or is it sand? And it's worth saying a couple of things right at the beginning. This is a parable, statement of the obvious, but you need to just know a parable is a vivid story with a punch, with one main point it's making. You can learn all sorts of things from the detail, I'll even refer to those myself, but it isn't an allegory. You're not supposed to say, well, everything, absolutely every detail is equally important. There's a punch to it. And the punch will be obvious. It's what you build your life on. And because it's a dynamic parable, we mustn't get over-literalistic. Here's what I mean. 
In normal house building, you make the decision about the foundations early on. Once you've started and you've built it, certainly by the time you're living in it, there's not a lot you can do about the foundations. And maybe if they're bad, you only find out when there's a terrible storm or a flood and it collapses and it's like terrible. And, and that would be the logic of it. You can only do something about the beginning. Jesus isn't really saying that. He's challenging his own disciples. This is a context of this. He's challenging us in a more dynamic way, an ongoing way. Be careful what you're building on. Be careful that you're building on the rock and not the sand. So there's not a fatalism here. There's not a right, well, it's too late. There's none of that. It's never too late. And in a sense, it's never fully done. I want to say that. So it's not never too late. So God wants to, if you're still alive and breathing, which you are to be here this morning, that you could make sure that you are on the rock. But in a sense, it's never just done. Oh, years ago, I used myself. Many years ago, I committed my life to Jesus. That was the rock and that's fine. No, no, you keep on building on the rock, John. You keep on being aware of that. I've experienced something in the last year or so which heightened that to me a bit, really. Um, I'm getting older and I'm, I'm, I'm planning, uh, you know, you, I'm, I'm, at the moment I'm still on a small uh, part-time salary and all the rest of it, but I'm actually planning that I end up not doing that and, you know, be a little more flexible uh, even still and uh, on a, a quite a, a modest pension and all this sort of thing going on. But in the last year or so, I've had several financial winds and storms. I mean, I was scammed just over a year ago, quite significantly scammed and lost a little chunk of money. I, I, a biggish chunk, actually. I, I also, the, the, my pension advisor sent me out of the blue, you know, a thing saying, oh, unfortunately, some of your pension is in this Woodford thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Woodford was an investor and he's just been frozen and all the rest of it. It's like, oh, it's not very good news, but never mind. And it's all trying to cheer me up. But actually, actually, both of those things and others can, can be like a storm. And you think, oh, 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 how will I, you know. And then God said to me, what are you building on, John? Are you building on the rock? Is it me? Or is it pension advisors? And I mean, my pension, my pension advisor said, oh, with the Brexit, last three years, it's awful. And it is not good if you look at things, you know, because the pound and all the rest of it. You think, what am I building on? I'm not building on the economy, am I? whether Brexit goes well or not. This is one area, but I'm talking about me. You might have a totally different area. And I'm an active Christian. I'm building on the rock. And there are verses in these, this sermon that I need to build on. And I'll give them to you. I won't read them all. In chapter 6, we read verses 25, is it? Down to 34 about do not worry. God provides this. He does that. You know, he does it for the, tr the flowers. He'll do it for you. Um, you know, uh, seek first the kingdom of God. All these things added to you. You've got to start building on those words. You've got to say, do I believe this or not? Now, I've been through things previously, even in the same area in my life, and yet still I have to remember. Do you get it? Still I have to learn. I've had other times. You can't go through 60 plus years in, in, and not have the economy goes up and down. All sorts of weird things go wrong. But actually, actually, all the way through, God's been faithful. All the way through, he's been my provider. And I've got to build on that. John, I'm not building on the sand of the economy. You're building on the rock of God's love, his word, Jesus' word. You belong to him. His kingdom comes first. He adds the rest. Amen? Now that's real. That's for me. 
there'll be something real for you. This is not in one ear and out the other. This is a parable about a wise and foolish builder and how we build. So let's quickly learn the lessons. I say quickly, it won't be that quick, but this, there's not a lot to say, but there's a lot of profound, it's profound. Let's look at three simple questions, if you like. Here's the first one. Wise and foolish, what's the same? And then we're going to, in a moment, we don't put it up yet, look at wise and foolish, what's different? And then I'm going to end with a question, are you building on the rock? Just going to look at these three simple questions. Wise and foolish, what's the same? I think it's worth noticing that there's a lot that's the same between the wise builder and the foolish builder. Jesus tells the story that way. And it's worth noticing it. They both want to build a house. Presumably, they want to build a good house for their family and for themselves to be secure in, to be comfortable in, so they can have a good life and enjoy it. That's fine, and they both want the same thing. I think it's worth noticing that although we sometimes can say, oh, you know, Christians are very different, actually, life is very similar for many of us. If I look around in my road and my neighbours, I think, actually, it's not a lot of difference. That, you know, we, we, we've got a house, we want a nice house, we, we want to do stuff with our time, we've got kids and families, and it's obviously, it's a particular sort of little area, but I mean, that'd be true wherever you live, and you think there's not a huge difference, we all roughly want the same thing, we don't want crises, we want good health, we don't want it all to collapse, we want peace of mind, we want some degree of comfort, I'm up there with, you, with them, we want security for ourselves and our families, we may even want to be similar with our lives, we want to do good, we've got neighbours opposite, we've had conversations with them. I know, uh, you know, they would not probably call themselves Christians or active, but he's very much into, uh, you know, the environment, environmental stuff and helping Hampshire wildlife and all the rest of it. He's trying to do good. You think, why bother, you know, if it's all <laughs> but he does bother. And so he doesn't want to waste his time. So he's, he's sort of eager to, if you like, bless people in a broad way. You see, there's not an awful lot of difference between the two lives. That's, that's true. And those two men, the wise and the foolish builder, clearly built in a similar place. The, what, what, what happens in this story is they both suffer from the same crises. So they're, they're in a similar place, and the houses, I would argue, look similar, and they look as though they're after the same thing. And actually, and this is an important point for us as Christians particularly to notice, both of them experience the same tests and trials. The rain, the floods, and the wind come to both houses. Now, that's sobering because we need to be fully aware, brothers and sisters, that following Jesus does not cushion you from the storms of life. It's, it, we're going to be seeing there's different resources maybe, but it doesn't cushion you from the actual storm. And you'll know that. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to just be steady and realistic about life. Floods, rains, wind. I mean, we could over push this, but I think it's still worth saying. There's different pressures that come. Rain, that suggests to me, as we've seen this morning, something that falls from above. And certainly in this dear country, it is very unpredictable. Marion and I said last night, oh, we can go to the picnic this, year, this week. And uh, we packed, Marion's very good at these things, packed all the stuff this morning, it was all in the thing. And then about eight o'clock, it starts raining, and it rained, and it rained. And we thought, do you know what? That doesn't look like picnic weather. 
<laughs> and, and just out of the blue, I mean, even the forecast yesterday didn't have rain because we looked at it. It had sunny, a cloud with sun behind it. What happened to that then? But anyway, I know it's better now, but we left our stuff at home, sorry. So, um, so basically, wimps, basically, it, it like just dropped out the sky. Now, quite seriously, there are some things like that, aren't there? Sickness, accidents, troubles in life, bereavements, things that just seem to drop suddenly out of the sky. And then there's the floods, which I mean, again, I don't know if it's valid, but I feel this is how it spoke to me. That suggests the water swirling around the foundations, maybe bubbling up. I wonder if that's more internal things, like the pressures of, of, of temptation, of fear, of doubt, of, of, of anger, uh, maybe fleshly weakness and sin, things that bubble up within and things that seem to rock the foundation. And then there's the wind, which I would see as pressures from the side. Things like economic forces, sudden changes in the economy, like we've experienced several times even in recent years. Political and social changes, maybe persecutions on Christians, which again is sort of happening. You know, things change up there and there's sort of suddenly it's no longer possible to quite behave as you once behaved as a Christian. There's not confidence. Oh, right. Am I, you know, things like that that just suddenly blow in on you and may well affect you in some work situations quite seriously. Political and social changes and maybe even satanic attacks. So there's all these things that go on and both houses experience them and we experience them. We experience them. Being a Christian isn't in a bubble. It doesn't cushion you from those things. So although there's much the same though, there is a difference. Let's move on. Wise and foolish, what's the difference? Well, there is a major difference between the two houses. And it's a hidden difference, but it is a very, very important one. It's the foundations they are building their lives on. It's what everything else stands on. What everything else stands on, whatever's happening. One is built on the rock, and the other is built on sand. Now, that difference can be, as I say, hid, well, it is hidden, and can be, in some ways, uh, subtle, shall we say. But they are very, very important differences. Very important. So, myself and my neighbour, you maybe wouldn't immediately tell. They're nice people, similar age, blah, 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 do kind things. That He probably does more obvious kind things than I do, to be honest. But... Um, but there's a big difference under the surface, as far as I know. And that's very important. The foundations are absolutely crucial. If they are poor and unstable, everything else is compromised. I mean, that's obvious about a house. You can build a house, you can put a lot of money into it, a lot of care into the decor, really, really design everything beautifully, put luxurious this is and that's in it. But if the foundations are rubbish, it's going to all collapse, however much money you put into it. It's, if there's a storm and a flood and it's built on unstable ground or sand, it's going to come down however much you've invested in the structure of the house. And that is a sobering fact. Another factor in Jesus' story, and this is vital, is the differences are not accidental. They're not accidental. It's not like just that's, that's how it is. 
Um, they're not like, oh, well, you know, hey-ho, you can't really tell what you're doing or how you're building. That's not true at all. The builders make choices about how they build. And the builders are you and me. And we make choices about how we build our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's giving us hope, actually. He's, give, he's telling us, be careful. This is not a hopeless parable. It's the opposite. It's make sure you get it sorted out. Make sure you build right. Behind the daily storms is a big, big, big one in Jesus' mind, which is when we stand before God in judgment and, and stand before a holy God. Make sure you've built your house on the rock for all the storms of life and for the big one of standing face to face with the living God and giving an account of your life. That's, that's the thinking. Now, actually, these two guys choose how they build. The stuff that gives you more detail in some of the other accounts. In Luke 6, there is another account of this parable. And if you look at Luke 6, there's quite a similar sermon. But actually, it appears to be in a different place, on a plain rather than a mountain. And of course, people get all very, hoo, 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 yes, the inconsistencies in the Bible. Oh, give me a break. I've preached some sermons numbers of times. Jesus said the same thing loads of times. What? Shock horror? Of course he did. That's what preachers do. And, you know, without social media and stuff, every time he had an audience, he'd give them the kingdom. And he probably preached stuff like this in many times. And he was a prophet as well. And, and prophets do that too. Had a message for people. So it's not any great big deal that the same sort of thing came out in different order sometimes, in different ways. And the detail in Luke is recorded slightly differently. We're told that the person, the wise builder, it says the wise man dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Ah, interesting detail. Basically, he really thought about how he built his house. He dug down deep. It implies more thought, more care, perhaps more effort, definitely, about how he built, which suggests that the, one of the problems with a foolish builder was a superficiality about life, a superficial attitude, a making easy choices, attractive choices, going with what everybody else seemed to do, not paying much attention to what I'm actually doing and how this stands up to not only the pressures of life, but to standing before the holy God who created me. He doesn't seem, the foolish one, to bother that much about the consequences ahead. He's just thinking for what's easy and simple now. And that is dangerous. And perhaps he glosses over it by saying, oh, it'll be all right. All foundations are as good as each other. It's a nice house. Yeah, you know, nothing will go wrong. It's all, yeah, don't let's worry about that. Now, actually, people can behave like that about life. In fact, it's a very common attitude, I'd argue. And I, I think it's probably even common in our own Christian circles. Do we really think about what we do? Oh, it'll be all right, you know, God will forgive me, or oh, it'll be all right, or, you know. And, and out there in the wide world, particularly people think, oh, all religions are the same, they all lead to God, and da 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 da. No, no, no. You need to think about what you're building your life on. You need to give it attention. It doesn't just all work without thought. Automatically, everybody's the same. There is a fundamental difference between the rock and the sand. And now we're going to have to think about it for a moment. And we have to think significant thoughts about it. The rock is Jesus Christ himself and his words. The rock is 
who Jesus is and what he says and teaches. Everything else, everything else is sand. Everything else is sand. I repeat myself, everything else. We have to say it loud and clear because people really don't think that's how it is. Let's start very quickly. All other religions are sand. All other religions other than faith in Jesus Christ. It's sand. And it's not a kindness to people to say, no, it's not. They all lead to God. It's all right. As long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe. That is sand. It does matter what you believe. I don't care how sincere you are. I love you enough to tell you it matters what you believe and what you're building on. It does matter. And you'll find out to your horror that it does. So I want to talk to you now because it's not without hope. The final test, when you stand before a holy God and pretty well every religion in the world, including distorted Christianity, churchianity as I call it, will tell you, make this effort, do this, believe that, act like this, and you'll be okay. They are all somehow based, one way or another, on what you do. The only rock is based on what Jesus did. All right? Not what you do, what he did. And that is a fundamental difference. The rock is about Jesus and what he said and what he did. And we'll talk about that a few moments before we finish because we need to understand it. And anything else is sand. It is ultimately sand. I mean, some beliefs will give you a lot of strength for day-to-day living. I acknowledge that. You may stand a lot of wind. You can withstand a lot of wind and a lot of storm with some beliefs. That's fine. It won't stand the last test. When you stand before a holy God and your own sin is so obvious, it will not stand that if it's not built on Jesus. Now, I'm not saying Christianity is, the, is a better religion than others. Religion is my problem. Christianity is often an, another religion like others, which is presented as rules you keep, rituals you follow, things you do. Some of them are very pretty and nice, and that makes you uh, okay with God. We're talking about Jesus and trusting in him and his words. We're not saying Christianity is better than any other religion, no, 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 like supporting Tottenham Hotspur or something, which I, I do, you know, and which isn't better than other clubs, so how are you? But, you know, it's not like that. We're saying everything's sinking sand except Jesus. I got it? Because it's very important. And it's not religion. It's not our own efforts. It's not that. Jesus offers something different. Jesus Christ does not offer religion. He offers rescue. Now, that's not original to me, but it's worth saying. He doesn't offer religion. He offers rescue. It is not another set of religions against a whole sort of, I don't know, palette of them. Which one do you want to choose? No, 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 no. Jesus is a rescuer. He came as God's love gift. God's son to rescue us from our sin, failure, stupidity, and weakness. The good news is not about us reaching up to God. It's about God reaching down to us in Jesus Christ. 
And that is very, very important. Sand doesn't just, I haven't got time for all this, but sand doesn't just represent other religions. It represents the many other things that people build on. And you do find people build their lives on material possessions, getting more money, and uh, education. That's what they trust in. They, they build their lives on family, maybe, and family connections, or social status, or friendships, even. None of these things are in themselves like, you know, like bad things, but it's bad if they have the whole foundation of your life. Some people nowadays build their whole life on their sexuality and, their, uh, and, and things like that, the, the community they belong to. Uh, others would talk about positive thinking, and that's what they rely on. It's a sort of self-assertiveness. You know, I'm the master of my fate. It's all about me. I build my life on my willpower, it would seem. Others on a political movement, or maybe a cause, or a hobby, or it can go on for and on and on and on. But it's all sand. It doesn't stand up often to many of the tests of life. Many of those don't stand up to the big tests. But it certainly won't stand up to the ultimate test of standing before the living God, as all we, we all will. So as I finish, let me ask you the last question. Are you building on the rock? Just give me five minutes to ask you that. And it will take not much longer than that, but I want you to think about it, I really do. Are you building on the rock? This is so important that uh, it, it needs to be given due attention. Jesus actually said, building on the rock, let's just analyse it, is to hear these words of mine and act on them or do them. Those are the better translations. I put them into practice, it says in my NIV, but I'm not sure that's the best. Hear these words of mine and act on them or do them is what Jesus said. What we mustn't turn that into, because it can easily be flicked into a sort of new set of Ten Commandments we've got to try and do. I've just got to do, or try to do, what Jesus tells me to do in my own strength. If you really think about what we've looked at, that's not going to work very well. Here's some of the things Jesus said, just two of them. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And another one, he said, love your enemies. Well, you might have a go at that. You might manage it for a few days or an hour. But best of luck if you're relying on that to get you through your life and standing before God strong and true on the basis of that. I think most of us would acknowledge in our sober moments that we haven't managed to keep the Ten Commandments. I'd certainly say that in my own strength. Oh, yes, I've, I think I've avoided murder and I have avoided adultery, but... To be honest with you, coveting, I don't think I've avoided that. Not telling the truth, false witness, lying, I don't think I've avoided that. Uh, loving the Lord my God with all my heart and mind, I don't think I've managed that. Obeying my parents, I'm not sure they'd agree that I did that all the time. And so you're going on and on and you think, no, no, I haven't lived that, let alone. If I'm thinking like this, let alone the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, etc. This is not another set of rules. It's something a bit more profound there. Jesus is talking about all his words and all that he is. Now let's think briefly and quickly. Even in this sermon, he says some odd things, really. He says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he says it with great authority, like your voice of God. He says, I have, I have not come to abolish the law and prophets. I've come to fulfill them. And he, says to, he says, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that's the term for God, by the way, 
on the day of judgment uh, will, will, you know, I'll accept them. You think, who are you to say that? Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, and on the day of judgment, he says, will we'll be accepted. And then he says here, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Now just stop and think. These are from the mouth of a carpenter, a carpenter of Nazareth, who did not write a book, who didn't go to any scholastic training of the day, who is not drawing on all the authorities of, of various studies, and, and they did do that, the Pharisees, other people, and quote this, this great philosopher or this great teacher and that teacher. He's not doing any of that. He is speaking either with extraordinary arrogance, egomania, frankly, egomania. He's either suffering from that or he's mad, or he's telling you the truth. And he is the voice of God. He's God become manifest in the flesh. And his behavior, his life supports that. His life supports that. He is humble. He is caring. Children felt secure with him. Women felt secure. He treated them with great respect. He, he, the, the lepers, the needy. But actually he could deal with dignity with all sorts of people. People loved him. People felt secure with him. He healed people. He blessed people. This is not an egomaniac. It's not a, a madman. It must be the truth. And yet he also said, and I think he means here more than his Sermon on the Mount, he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus said. Building on the rock, is building on Jesus and all he said. It's not just trying to find a few rules out the Sermon on the Mount. It's, so I said about me, it was looking at Matthew 6, where he says, look, your father says this, don't be anxious, put the kingdom of God first. Oh, that's rock for me when I'm worried about something. That's rock. And so Jesus is not just giving you a set of rules. He's talking about himself and all he stood for. Let's just look, remind ourselves of those last two verses. If you could flick them up now, thank you. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of law. Now that's interesting. It tells us that the people's reaction here was not so much to the content of what he said, as to who was saying it. Their reaction is that it's Jesus that impacts them. And it says they were amazed. They were amazed. Look at him. Jesus impacted them. Now here is a very important point. Real faith is more than being impressed by Jesus. It's more than amazement at Jesus. It's more than saying, he is a wonderful person. Oh, this is awesome. It's a lot more than that. When Jesus says what he says, building on the rock is my words and doing them or acting on them, he is analyzing, he is describing faith. Just hear that. This is real faith. Real Bible-believing, saving faith is to not only believe Jesus is who he is, but to act on it and build your life on it. It is not a nodding agreement that I can tick the box, I believe Jesus, everything he said. I think that's lovely. I think it's wonderful. Like as though he was a little addition, a little conservatory I build on my house. No, no, he's the foundation of your house. 
Everything is now under the rule of Jesus. When you become a Christian, your whole life is given over to Jesus. That's what last week we saw three magnificent baptisms. It's a different picture. But they died to their old lives and they've come alive to live for Jesus. That's what that's about, baptism. It's a good reminder, similar idea. You now, if you claim to be a Christian, everything in your life is built to Jesus. Everything. You need to submit everything to him. You need to trust him for everything. The whole thing is built on Jesus. Amen? It's built on the person and the work and the words of Jesus. And real faith like that will give evidence. Jesus' half-brother James said, faith without deeds is dead. So real faith always evidences itself. That's what real faith does. You can't really believe something and not act on it. That's probably a general truth, actually. If you really believe something, you act on it. It it just affects everything. You do it. And so being a Christian means I really believe in Jesus. And I, like I've said, I'm being honest, you have to remind yourself of that in the day-to-day storms of life. That's what it means. You think, no, no, wait a minute. I'm building on Jesus. I'm trusting him. He's my foundation. And so all of us need to reflect on that. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I'm not dependent on that person's relationship. I'm not dependent on that job going well. I'm not dependent on the economy or Brexit or my pension fund or my... I'm not dependent on those things. I'm dependent on Jesus. And when I'm ill and sick, I'm dependent on Jesus. And I will go to doctors, but I'm dependent on Jesus and his words and his promises. There's loads to what he said. It's not just a few bits of the Sermon on the Mount. We don't end up focusing just on a few bits. We focus on the person, which is what those last verses tell us. At the end, it was the person. This is amazing. Who's this bloke? And, and so it is the person and all he's done and all he means. Nod. <laughs> I was told to nod. I can't help being silly. Sorry. Because we're finishing. We're finishing. Let's stand together. Come on, let's stand. And let's have the musicians up. Let's have the rest of the musicians. Thank you, Tony. Let's have the rest. Let's just let the Holy Spirit settle in our hearts what we've been hearing. I mean, I love you guys to bits. I want you to get the best out of this. This this whole thing is not about feeling condemned. It's about making sure you're building well so that you not only stand in the storms of life, but you stand before the living God saying, I'm not trusting in myself. I'm Christ, the solid rock I stand. It's his performance, not mine. I didn't trust in religion. I trusted in rescue. I trusted that I was rescued by a saviour redeemer I didn't trust my ability to perform well I trusted in his performance before you father when he died and rose again